and the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, I've only been gone three weeks and I couldn't remember to turn on my microphone after that brief a period of being away. What church is this, Jen? <laughs> it's great to be back with the family, great to be back gathered with the people of God. Welcome to all of you who are here to worship the living God today. We are being called to worship today in these words from the 113th Psalm, so please read responsively with me. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Friends, let us worship the living God. Our Lord Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In confession, we are invited to lay down the burden that we carry and rest in Christ. Friends, let's confess together. Merciful God, you pardon all who truly repent and turn to you. We humbly confess our sins and ask for your mercy. We have not loved you with a pure heart. 
nor have we loved our neighbor as ourselves. We have not done justice, loved kindness, or walked humbly with you, our God. Have mercy on us, O God, in your loving kindness, in your great compassion, cleanse us from sin. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us. Do not cast us from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from us. Restore to us the joy of your salvation and sustain us with your bountiful spirit. In Jesus the Christ we pray. Amen. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And then he went on to say, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Transformation, the work of the Holy Spirit is at hand. Because, my friends, I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. friends, the peace of Christ be with you. As we prepare to greet one another, we invite children fifth grade and under to meet their Sunday school leaders in the back and go off to Sunday school. And now let's greet one another with a holy good morning and God bless. It's always a wonderful thing to see the family getting along with itself and conversing about life these days, and that's a great thing. It is also a great thing that we are a church family and celebrate many things, so let me just let you know about a couple of things coming up in the life of the church. As always, reminding you to pay close attention to our Wednesday email messages to you that contain all of the detail about what's coming up in the life of the church. Uh, this coming Saturday is the fourth Saturday in July. It's hard to believe it. But on every fourth Saturday, we celebrate by going down to Ventura Cove uh, in Mission Bay, and we have a program to help feed the homeless folks who are in that area. We call it the Branch 
Ranch Barbecue. We need volunteers always to help with that process, so if you're interested in giving a couple of hours of your time and a wonderful, fulfilling activity, give us a call this week and we can tell you how to be part of that. It's also a tradition of this church uh, to send down dozens and dozens and dozens of cookies. And so for those of you who don't want to go down, you can bake a whole bunch of cookies, bring them to the church office this week, and we will make sure they get to where they're going on Saturday. Just uh, in a moment of total transparency, the senior pastor is in charge of quality control for all the cookies <laughs> that go through, so a couple of extra would be a good thing. And I, it sort of pains me to be asking for cookies because today, as all of you know, is National Ice Cream Day. And I, it should be on the liturgical calendar. Juan, don't you think? Uh, of course it should be. So. At any rate, speaking of food, we have a lot of food in the parlor today, and we would encourage you, if you'd like to have a bite to eat after worship, to go enjoy that. The food is left over, as are the flowers in worship, uh, from our memorial celebration on Friday afternoon for Bill Taylor. We are keeping Bill and Jerry in our prayers and the entire Taylor family. Also keeping in our prayers the family of Al Myers, whose service we had uh, Friday morning at uh, Miramar National Cemetery. So we're wrapping our arms around those two families. I need to mention that we are in the midst of the summer season, and that means we have our summer choir with us. These are not the regular people. The regular people know how to dress up in robes. These folks just uh, kind of wander in from out of nowhere. No, if you would, it's so good to see all you guys here. So summer choir means you don't have to rehearse on Thursdays. You just come on Sunday mornings at 9.30, rehearse a piece, and then come in and celebrate that in worship. As part of that tradition as well, uh, a little bit later in the service after the choir sung, they're going to be leaving the sanctuary so that they can go out and sit among the congregation like normal folks and look at the front of my head rather than the back of my head. But just a little caveat, just because you get to go out early does not mean you get to the food in the parlor first. <laughs> Okay, I'm just saying that, yes. And then let me say a special word of welcome to our dear friend Brendan Waddles is with us again. Brandon is one of the great accomplished composers of our era. We're privileged through his friendship with Juan and others to, uh, to have him as part of our music ministry here. So, uh, Brandon, thanks for being with us today. Good to see you, brother. I want to welcome forward another brother, Walter Lamb. Where are you? Walter, come on up. Walter is going to share with us uh, about the ministry of the African Alliance for Assistance. And, Walter, it's good to have you again with us today in worship. God bless you, brother. My dear friends, I bring you greetings from my fellow refugees that are spread all over the world. At the moment, as I speak with you, there are over 110 million refugees around the world. And on top of that, we have the largest displacement now in Europe since World War II. These refugees have lost everything, including relatives and everything that they have worked for in their lives. They come here to start their life afresh. I want to thank you members and the leadership of the Village Church 
for your prayers and support for these refugees that are coming here in San Diego County. Because of your support and prayers, Alliance has now resettled 1,971 refugees from Afghanistan. And because of your support and prayers, Alliance has also resettled 650 Ukrainian refugees that are coming out of Ukraine because of the illegal war that Russia has started on them. Because of your support and prayers as well, most of these refugees that we have brought in here right now have jobs and are gainfully employed. At the Alliance, we have hired 11 Afghans now helping their people. In addition to that, we have also hired seven Ukrainians that are working to help those newly arriving people that are coming here daily. I am so grateful to all of you, especially the leadership here, for designating alliance to receive your Christmas in July collections. Last year, I came with one truck. It was fully loaded, and the extra stuff was kept in your classroom. I told Gretchen this time that I will be bringing two trucks <laughs> to take everything that you will be donating. My dear friends, a lot of these refugees may never know your names may never have the blessings to meet you and say their appreciation for all you are doing. Please allow me to say thank you on their behalf. God bless you. Let me just reiterate, next Sunday bring all that furniture, all that clothing, all those things that you have in your house that you don't need anymore. Please feel free to bring all those bags of cash that are in your way as well. We will happily receive those things to support our partner, Walter, and all the folks at the African Alliance. Let's have a little prayer. God, we thank you for Walter and all those who have answered your call to reach out to those in need, especially those newcomers to our country. We remember that your people have gone to and fro across the world, sometimes by choice, sometimes not, but that still you are with us always. And we thank you for the privilege that we have of partnering together in ministry with Walter and others, and pray that it would be a blessing to all and a witness to the sign of your conquering love in the world. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, brother. Thank you so much. And now I'd like to invite the Jones family to come forward for baptism. Matt and Bryn Jones are here to present their son for the sacrament of baptism. 
in the church of Jesus Christ. And as always, when we baptize, we remember these words from Jesus, who said that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. And so, friends, obeying the word of our Lord Jesus and sure of his presence with us, we baptize those whom he calls to be his own. In Jesus Christ, God promises to forgive our sins and then joins us together in the family of faith, which is his church. He delivers us from darkness and transfers us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, In Jesus Christ, God promises to be our Father and to welcome us as brothers and sisters of Christ. Matt and Bryn, in presenting your son for baptism, you announce your faith in Jesus Christ, and you show that you want your son to study him, know him, love him, and serve him as his chosen disciple. Now show your purpose by answering these questions. Who is your Lord and Savior? Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Do you trust in him? We do. And do you intend for your son to be his disciple, to obey his word, and to show his love? We do. And to the godparents, do you promise through your prayer, through your love, through your support and encouragement to support Matt and Bryn and also this new child as he learns about the love of Jesus Christ? Do you? Our Lord Jesus Christ ordered us to teach those who are baptized. Do you, the people of the village church, promise to tell this child the good news of the gospel, to help him to know that Christ commands, and by your fellowship, to strengthen his family ties with the household of God? Do you? Me too. Let us pray. O God, we thank you for your faithfulness promised in this sacrament, and we thank you for the hope that we have in your Son, Jesus. As we baptize with water, baptize us with Holy Spirit, so that what we say may be your word and what we do may be your work. By your power, may we be made one with Christ our Lord in common faith and purpose. Amen. What is your son's name? Archie. Archie. Come here, buddy. Archie, it is a pleasure to have you with us today. It is a joy to receive you into the family of faith. And as we receive you, I want to talk with you for just a moment about what we're doing with this water. This water reminds us that God's Spirit moved over the face of the waters to create the dry land as our earth, as our, as our home. We, we remember that, that God delivered Hebrew slaves through the waters of the Red Sea to give them a new life. We remember that those same people dropped their binky as they were going through the Red Sea, <laughs> but they got it back and they kept on going. Archie, this water represents for us life and new birth. 
And so now, using this water that is a gift from God, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come with me, buddy. You'll get them back in just a minute. Yeah, we'll be okay. Archie, I want to welcome you and introduce you to a whole bunch of new family folks. Now, some of them are sitting here recording all of this, and they are so happy to be part of this, but all of us are here welcoming you and receiving you into the family of the church. That's exactly right. Someday you're going to get to watch these videos 8,000 times, and they're probably going to be shown at the rehearsal dinner right before you get married so as to embarrass you. But there's all kinds of ways in which you are going to learn about Jesus through all of this. All of these folks are happy to receive you and welcome you. We consider it a sacred privilege to do that. We're going to be praying for you and for your mom and dad and for your big sister, Georgia, as you grow in the life of faith. He's totally comfortable here in church. I know, that's a cool thing. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the gift of faith and life, for the gift of curious children, and for the gift of the family of faith that is the church. We thank you for blessing this child and ask and pray for your blessing upon him as he grows in faith in Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Okay, here we go. Let's see if we can extricate ourselves. This is good. Good job.
There are moments when you're as close to heaven as you can get. It's moments like that when all those voices come together and you are raised in praise and we feel it to the deepest part of ourselves. Isn't it good to be here together? So in that sense, we have come, we have been ministered to, and we minister to each other even as we sit together in this space. So I invite you now to enjoy what God has provided for us already, even as we go to God in prayer. Let's go to God. You, holy God, never cease to surprise, and, and you never cease to amaze, and honestly, you never cease to confound us. As soon as we're confident that we have at last figured out your divine system, we're confronted with a small man in a tree or a disdained woman at a well and who is the most surprising theologian we could ever meet, or a Roman centurion who cuts to the heart of who you are with faith that really is beyond most of us, a fisherman entrusted with, well, the greatest story ever told, or a child with water dripping, newly welcomed into the family of faith. We thank you, O oh God, for being far greater than our imagining. We thank you that we cannot contain you with our minds, and we can't border your spirit within the bounds that we choose. You go where you choose. So blow wild and fierce, holy wind, and we will simply dance behind you, alert and watching for our cue to engage in the great human drama of lost sheep and found sheep, of mountain sermons with fishes and loaves, of miracles born from the mundane, of harvest and laborers, of unexpected people who slip into our purview in unexpected ways and leave us forever changed with a song that comes so beautifully and slips into our presence with the gospel moment by the side of the road. You are the breath that invites us to let go, to trust steadily in you, to hope unswervingly, to live vulnerably, and to love extravagantly. Because that is your way, and you are the way. Infinite God, we surrender to you today our fears for the future, our regrets from the past. We surrender to you today our worries over a troubled world, our concern for an ailing neighbor, our grief for the lost and the estranged, the dying and those left to live on. We surrender our fear, we surrender our apathy, and we surrender our exhaustion. Why do we surrender all of this to you? We surrender this to you, O oh God, so that we might carry less and walk further, so that we can serve you in tireless ways, with inspired energy for the world that you so deeply love and that you have called us to love. 
So help us to unfetter our lives so that we can walk into it whole and ready. We pray in the name of your Son, who taught us when praying to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, we have been blessed beyond measure. We have been given every good gift, every resource that God has has been given to us. So today, let's return with a cheerful heart our gifts and tithes and offerings for the upbuilding and the work of the kingdom. Self to 
A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down to Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to slaughter and like a lamb silent before its shearer. So he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. The word of the Lord. Why do we love baptisms so much? I don't know about you, but I love doing baptisms. Is it evident? I don't know, especially when the kids are good, it's wonderful. I was thinking about baptisms because uh, this is our second baptism of the day. We had one at the earlier service, this one just now, and there's all kinds of reasons to love baptisms, I suppose, not least of which has to do with cute babies, right? Who doesn't like a cute baby, right? Some of you act like babies, but, but you know, we love cute babies. That's what we love, cute babies. Not all babies are cute. Not all babies are well-behaved, but it's a privilege and it's a joy 
to welcome a new life into the world, isn't it? We take it for granted because there are millions of babies born every day. Still, each one is a gift, each one is a miracle. And so we love baptisms because we get to welcome the babies. But we also, if we're honest, be honest with each other, we also like to see the parents squirm a little bit up here, don't we? <laughs> They're worried. You know, am I going to say the right thing? Is the kid going to do the right thing? That's okay. That's just part of what it's all about. It's part of the joy. Of course, we don't always baptize babies. Sometimes we baptize young adults, folks that are maybe 12, 13, 14, as they come to maturity, as they come to maturity in faith, as they are received into the full communicant membership of the church. Oftentimes with uh, disciples of that age, we'll go down to the beach and have baptisms down in the ocean, and it's a beautiful thing. And then, of course, sometimes we baptize adults, now, that does not happen as often in the Presbyterian church or in most churches anymore, but I've had some wonderful baptism experiences with adults. One of the most memorable was with a woman who was 90 years old. At the age of 90, she said, well, I've always believed, but it's about time <laughs> that I joined the church and got baptized. I said, yeah, you're right. It's about time. <laughs> it was a great experience. Some of you will remember a beautiful young woman baptized here several uh, years ago. She was what in my book I would call an oversized person. Okay? So she was kind of tall. Uh, and then she wore these platform shoes that made her even taller. And this is literally true. I could not reach the top of her head. <laughs> and so she kicked off her shoes and she was barefoot. That was okay. That worked out just fine. One of the baptisms that I also remember goes back more than 35 years ago. I had an 86-year-old man come to me one day and say, Jack, I've, I've just learned that most of the family history that I was taught about my early years is not true. And so I don't know, he said, I don't know if I was ever baptized, even though my family told me that I was. Would you baptize me again? And I said, of course. Why do we love baptisms so much? Well, all of those things I've talked about are good reasons, but I want to talk about the best reason to love baptism. And to do that, I want to take us back to an old, old story. After Jesus' birth and life, after his trial and crucifixion and death, after the resurrection, after his appearances to the first believers, after he came to them one last time to say goodbye to them and leave with them the gift of the Holy Spirit, after the Holy Spirit came upon the assembled believers of the church and gave them new vision, new understanding, new power, after all of those things, Jesus 
disciples actually began to do what he had told them to do. They went out into the world to share the good news, to make disciples and to baptize. One of those disciples was a man named Philip. Now, there was one of the original 12 disciples named Philip, but this was a different Philip. This Philip had been chosen by the church to become one of the first deacons in the church. That Philip, we are told, in the weeks or perhaps months following the death and resurrection of Christ, that Philip heard a word from God, a word from the Spirit, that inner prompting, that inner voice, probably confirmed by the body of believers around him. And as with many of the believers of that time, the Spirit told Philip to leave Jerusalem. The Spirit told Philip to leave the mountain fortress city and go down to the southwest toward Gaza. You've heard of Gaza before. We don't know if Philip knew what he was going for. All he knew was that he needed to go, and so he went. And then on the road, as is so often the case, on the way to somewhere, something significant happens. Also on that road that day, there was, frankly, a very significant and imposing figure. There was a man riding in a chariot. Instantly, that's a signal to us that he is a wealthy, important, powerful person. And indeed, we have other confirmation of that. He was the treasurer for the queendom of Ethiopia, the treasurer to the queen. Perhaps he was one of those folks who was not ethnically or biologically Jewish himself. Perhaps he was one that the Jews called a God-fearer. Perhaps, and I like to think this is true, he had come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And now he was riding home in his chariot and he's reading aloud from a scroll from the book of the prophet Isaiah. In ancient times, when people read to themselves, they did not read silently. They read aloud so that they actually heard the words themselves. No doubt, Philip heard this imposing, important man riding in a chariot. He heard that he was reading, and the Spirit said to Philip, go up and talk to this guy. Now, normally that wouldn't happen, but Philip is paying attention to the urgings of God, and so he goes and a conversation begins. The Ethiopian man says to Philip, he says, you know, I'm, I'm reading here, but I don't understand what I'm reading. Maybe you can tell me what this is about. And so Philip tells this Ethiopian man the good news. We do not have a record of what Philip said. What I like to think is that Philip told him a simple but profound story about Jesus, his birth, his life, his teaching, his miracles, the way that he surrounded people with his love and the way that he confronted people with their sin and the way that he invited people, all people, 
into a new relationship with God. I'm quite certain that Philip shared with this man the story about what had just happened in Jerusalem about Jesus' arrest and trial and crucifixion and death and burial in a tomb. I have to believe that Philip told him about the anger, the frustration, the grief, the emptiness, the confusion, the lost feeling that came upon them all as Jesus lay there in the grave. But then also Philip had to have told him about what it was like to hear the amazing news that the women came and shared that Jesus was alive again. By this time, perhaps those early disciples had begun to glimpse a little bit more about who Jesus was and what was going on with Jesus. The Ethiopian man is reading from a section of Isaiah where Isaiah talks about the suffering servant of God. Is this suffering servant Isaiah? Is it someone else? I, Philip says, no, this, this suffering servant, the one who comes to die for us, is someone whom I knew, someone whom I now follow. And the man believed him. The man trusted the message. The spirit was at work in his heart as it was in the hearts of so many thousands and thousands in that time. And so the man says to Philip, I'd like to be baptized. What is to prevent me from being baptized? Now, if this had happened in the modern era, Philip would have said, you know, you need to go home and ask your family when they can come and all be assembled together. And let's start sharing some emails with each other and let's pick out a good date when everybody can be here. Right? And the Ethiopian man would have gone home and said, does this date work? And Philip would have said, no, that date doesn't work. How about this other date? They go back and forth for a while. And then Philip would have had to say to this man, he said, you know, I need to get permission from the session of the village church to do this. It has to be officially sanctioned and it has to be an ordained pastor who's going to do the baptism, blah, 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 blah. Baptisms are complicated things these days, right? But at that point, Philip simply says, there's nothing to prevent you from being baptized, and so they come upon a body of water. I don't know. Nobody knows. Was it the sea? Was it a, a river? Was it a lake? Was it just a puddle on the side of the road? Makes no difference. Philip baptizes the man, and then he goes on his way. Philip, we are told, goes on to Caesarea and then continues a life of serving and preaching and teaching. We know nothing. We don't even know this guy's name from Ethiopia. By tradition, and through later reports that are a couple of hundred years after the event itself, this man goes down into Ethiopia and shares the gospel message there with people. And people begin to follow Jesus. We don't know. That was one of the baptisms that is reported to us in the New Testament. But it helps us remember fundamentally what baptism is. Why do we love baptism so much? Well, here's the real reason. For all those other good reasons, there are other reasons, the best reasons that we love baptism. We love baptism because baptism about the, 
is about the, the blessing of knowing the grace of God, of hearing the good news about Jesus' resurrection, of realizing that God will not let anything stand between us and Him, not death, not evil, not our own self-destructiveness. God won't let anything stand between us and Him. In baptism, our sin is washed away. Whatever keeps us away from God, God says it doesn't have to, I will count it as gone over and done. I will wash it away. In baptism, our old self-centered, self-worshiping self is dead and buried and gone and then resurrected into a new life with Christ. Now, if you've always been Presbyterian, that little theological slant might be a little bit harder to understand because you've understood that baptism means only a few drops of water. We do come from a Scottish heritage, after all, and so we don't want to be too lavish and extravagant with the water, right? If you come from a Baptist heritage, you just dunk them all the way in. You bury a person, and then they are resurrected up out of the water. We are dead to sin and alive to all that is good. In baptism, we celebrate the gifts of God that have come to us from the very beginning of creation, gifts that the water reminds us about. Now, Archie was paying attention a few moments ago. I hope the rest of you were paying attention when I talked about the fact that the water represents for us the waters of creation, the waters of chaos, the waters over which God's Spirit moves to create land and give us a home. As far as we know, the only thing that makes life exist in the universe is the presence of water. Without water, you don't have life. God gives us water. God gives us life. It is through the waters of the Red Sea, through the waters of the Jordan River, that the original Chosen people come to know God and come to experience God and come to that place in life where they can be an example, a witness, a light to all the other nations of who God is. Baptism is therefore a reception into a new community of faith, a new family of faith. Baptism creates for us a new identity, not the old folks who are moving away from God, but the new brothers and sisters in faith, brothers and sisters of Christ, brothers and sisters with each other who are welcomed and received into a family. Now, when we baptize an adult, we we hope that that adult understands what they're doing, and we believe that the adult does, that they're making a profession of faith. When we baptize a child too young to know yet what that's about, still the child knows whether or not he's loved. And then it's up to us to teach the child. You know, the, the Ethiopian guy, he required someone to teach him about who Jesus was. And we all do. 
That's the promise we've made. I'm holding all of us to that promise. I've been doing that for 25 years. We are now baptizing the children of those whom I was here to baptize 25 years ago. We make the promise to teach because every important lesson that we teach to our children is a lesson that hopefully they learn and there is no more important lesson than teaching them about the love of God in Christ. There's a place for everyone in baptism, including those of us who are already baptized. Raise your hand in your heart about whether or not you are baptized. If you are baptized, then you are part of every baptism that occurs thereafter. As you remember your baptism, as you remember the fact that you are someone whom God has called and claimed to be his own, you are someone whom God has welcomed into a family of faith, you are someone to whom God has given the challenge and the joy and the work of bringing God's justice, God's righteousness, God's love to bear in everything that you do. You need not worry about death. You need not worry about evil. You need not worry about your own sin. You just need to get busy following Jesus and following God. I hope you know more about why I love baptism and about why you can love baptism. And someday if you encounter someone riding along in their chariot who wants to know more, you can tell them. Amen. Even as the words preached settle inside of us, we remember our own baptisms and we remember our own faith. People of God, please stand together as we affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
the song that was sung for us during the time that we were presenting our offering to God has become one of my very, very favorite songs. Partly because of that line that I hope you heard, but I want to be sure you hear it again so that you take it home with you today. Then sprinkle water on my brow, as in this place I make my vow to own and love my Savior now and give myself to Jesus. May there be no turning back for any of us as we follow along that pathway, that road that maybe doesn't lead to Gaza, but wherever it's leading, it's leading us, the road on which we're following Jesus. If you'd like to learn more about that, if you want to commit yourself to that and dedicate yourself to that, and you haven't done that yet, give me a call this week. I would love to visit with you, and I would love someday to baptize you. If you're already baptized, remember your baptism. and Go out and live like the beautiful, joyful, powerful person that God made for you to be, to bring his righteousness into the world. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and forever. Let God's people say together, Amen. Amen.